pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? <laughs> it's a cash cock, honey. <laughs> yeah. you mosey on down to Bender's Bar. Inside you can find Counter Offer, and my offering you amazing late night food and snacks. Try the chicken biscuit. It's like your stomach's in a tasty tornado. They have exceptionally great daily ground sustainable butter. That's a tater tots, grilled asparagus, and delicious zucchini. And creamy delicious mac and cheese. You like tacos? They get them. And from the specials, very deep fried fish sandwich to a stoner burger with a donut bun. What are those crazy potheads gonna come up with next? Go to the counter offer inside of Brenda's Bar at 800 South Van Ness Avenue, San Francisco. It's located between 19th Street and 20th Street in the Mission District. Open seven nights a week from 5 to 10 p.m. or later. Counter offer, son! Anything you try has already been done before, and there's nothing really you can do about it. So remember to avoid taking risks and to whisper into feathers together in the dark. It's the right thing to do, and viewers like you. When the circus is in town, it's time for a train ride. The best circus town train rides are the dependable ones that'll depart and arrive on time. The ones that'll take you from clown to trapeze quad elephant, see? Look come on the train with the circus promise. It's intense. Listen to Shaggy's Soul Shakedown Party tonight. All right, folks, as you know, as you know, Shaggy's Soul Shakedown is every Thursday. Every Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. here on MutinyRadio.fm. What's with the limp? I got hit by a car on my bike. This person just ran a red light. How are you going to work? You wait tables. I don't know. I'm terrified. I count on my tips, and these hospital bills are confusing. The insurance adjusters just treat me like I'm a piece of paperwork. Man, you should go to JohnStraussLaw.com. John Strauss is a great personal injury attorney. 
When I got hurt, he handled everything for me. He was on my side. And best of all, I didn't have to pay out of pocket. He got paid when I did. That's great because I cannot afford to pay out of pocket. Yeah, don't let them confuse you and trick you. They treat you like you're a business. It's not business, it's personal. Injury. JohnStraussLaw.com Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? And remember this. Good always over evil. God will deal with you, not deal with the devil. Remember that. Production contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Previously on Once Upon a Time in Vegas. You must be Chloe. Jason saw you when we came in. I'm Denise. Jason and I met today. Oh my God. An Adam's apple? Jason's dating a guy. I can't live my life always being the default girl. Hi, I'm Waylon. Ouch, did your parents hate you? At the risk of sounding, you know, why don't we get out of here? I- I'll get my coat. You planned the whole fucking thing, didn't you? No, but I sure as hell wish I had. If any of my friends had given you a second glance tonight, do you think you'd have asked me back to your place? I'm not sure I follow. So, Jeff, or Waylon, or whatever the fuck you want to call yourself, I'm going to make this real easy for you, okay? If you still want me, you don't have to feel obligated to talk to me. I'll pull over and we can get it over with in the back seat. If not, I'll just drop you off at home and you can sleep your beer goggles off. Tessa, look at me. You're going to start the car. You're going to drive us to my place. And you and I are going to resolve some of your issues. Ha, 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 ha,
Hello, beautiful. I was dreaming. I was starting to think you were gonna sleep forever. Jeff, were you just laying there watching me? Enjoying the scenery. Right. Creepy. I should probably get going. Oh, no, you don't. I... Whew, I, re I really should be, le be leaving. No, you shouldn't. Don't do this. You don't have to. No, Tessa. I had to. No, what I mean is... You have to get up early for work, don't you? No. Or you have company coming for breakfast. You'll call me sometime. We can have lunch and get to know each other better. We'll get to know each other now. Because you aren't leaving. You're mine. Excuse me, uh, I have a haircut appointment. Yes, can I help you? I I'm sorry, but are you? Yes, I am. Oh. My. God! You're Philip Carter Grayson! A celebrity is standing in my salon! I loved you in that thing you did! Uh, Hamlet? No, I'm pretty sure it was something else, but I loved <laughs> you in it! Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. I'm Dennis, the owner of the salon, and hun, I am going to fix you up with the best haircut in Vegas. You just put this on and come right over to this chair and lay back while I wash that gorgeous head of hair. So, what brings you out here? On location? A premiere, actually. Um, the movie was filmed here, so it's opening here. We even hooked up with premiere advertising in the city for promotion. Women heading to campaign kind of scares me, though. Could you get me tickets to the show as my tip? I think I'd rather pay you to stay away. This movie is going to suck big time. 
I should know. I'm in it. It can't be that bad. Okay. It's an action slash comedy slash adventure slash romance called The Night Strives to Pay the Day's Longings Hopeless Price. I play a retired Interpol agent with a gambling problem and a weakness for poetry, working as a lawyer in the States. My wife and children are kidnapped by some guys and subsequently killed. That would give me another purpose, you know. Other people are killed. I screw some hot chick. Chick gets blown up. Throw in a car chase. Blah, blah, blah. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, if you don't mind my asking, how are things with Emily Hodges? Wait until Friday. It'll be all over the tabloids. Uh-oh. Who broke up with whom? She with me, by text message. That bitch! And she had her reasons. I'm stuck to be broken up with by text. Well, that's Erica for you. Uh, you mean Emily, right? Right, right, Emily. Oh, uh, don't read too much into that. I, I can't remember a name to save my life. Then the rumor's true? Uh, the part about the director slugging me is a lie. <laughs> you and Emily had a good run, though. Was it six months you were together? <sighs> yeah, that's practically forever in terms of most Hollywood relationships. Still... Yes? No, forget it. Come on, what is it? Well, what the hell? Who better than a hairstylist to talk things over with, huh? A gay hairstylist. Continue. Well, Eleanor... Emily? Right, Emily. She was the third girl to break up with me this year. All of them were poised, beautiful, charming, but there was nothing there, no chemistry. According to the rags, Eloise... Emily? Emily Wright. To them, she and I were practically engaged, but really we were a little more than friends. Friends that screw, right? Well, yeah, don't get me wrong. <laughs> anyway, I'm just getting tired of all the... Well, all the fake. Fake? <laughs> Sweetheart, they're actresses. It's their way of life. Right, but sometimes I want something really permanent. Not just Hollywood permanent. Something real. That's a tall order, Mr. Grayson. Tell me about it. Well, you might find something out here that'll make up for your movie and your love life. What? A fabulous haircut, of course. Take a look. Wow, you did a great job. No wonder you came so highly recommended. I take great pride in my work. With good reason, apparently. Here you go. I hope the tip is enough to get you to stay away from that movie. And if you're ever interested in hair and makeup for film... I'm flattered, but I've got a side business that keeps me pretty busy as well as running the salon. I appreciate the offer, though. Sure. Well, thanks, Dave. Dennis. Right. Dennis. Thanks, Dennis. Well, at first I didn't think Jason would be game for it. Most guys are so insecure, they don't want to give up control. You know what I mean, princess. Um, right. Well, once I got started, he couldn't get enough. He was begging for more. And I have to admit, I was mildly surprised at his... stamina. <laughs> wow. Chloe, Ginger wants these proofread by three. Sure. I'll just... Be right back. 
<laughs> Did you see her face? closet <laughs> Hi, this is Tessa. Oh, Obviously fuck. I'm not available right now. Leave a message. Tessa, where are you? Something happened with Jason and I need ice cream and cheese fries. Call me back as soon as you can. Oh, she's supposedly at home sick. Why is she not there? Terry! Oh god, what happened? Terry, Jason was cheating on me with Stacy, and she made me pick her up from his place this morning, and she made fun of the shirt I bought him, and now she's taking every opportunity to talk about what they did, and it's stuff he never did with me. Maybe because I just never interested him that much, maybe because there's just something wrong with me, or maybe he told her to say it to get back at me, I don't know. Now I can't get a hold of Tessa and I don't know where she is and I need to go out and lose myself in a huge bowl of sugar. And for that, I need you and Tessa. Whoa, back up the trunk here, sweetie. I barely got any of that, oh queen of run-on sentences. It's nothing against you, Terry. But I need Tessa to tell me what a bastard Jason is and... It's just not the same when it comes from you. Tessa and I do have different methods of comfort. Well, much as I hate to say it, if she was with the bitches last, we should ask them. They have no idea. That's why I had to pick up Stacy this morning, because they couldn't find her. That makes the last time we saw Tessa two days ago. Oh my god, you're right. Where is she? Well, at least you've gotten your mind off Jason. That fucking best... I'm gonna fucking kill him. And I'll take that Stacy and shove a fucking ice pick. Through her fucking eyes. This fucking sucks. Hold your breath. Okay, you need to go out. I've got two tickets to that movie premiere you've been working your ass off for. Why don't we just go? I can't. Ginger will be there. If she sees me, I'm dead. I'm not supposed to have fun. Oh, fuck Ginger. No thanks. I prefer guys. Chloe, sitting at home with a box of tissues and 30 cartons of Ben and Jerry's can only solve so many things. You're just going to brood over everything, getting more and more miserable, and end up somehow blaming everything on yourself the way you always do. That's not what you need right now. You need distraction. I need Tessa's foul mouth. Oh, fine. You want Tessa? I'll be Tessa for you. Terry, what? You and I are going out tonight whether you fucking like it or not, because you know who else used to lock himself in his room, Chloe? Howard Hughes. Look where he is now. 300 antibiotic shots in his fucking heel. One of them breaks off and he still dies from a fucking infection. If you think I'm dragging your pus-filled 98-pound carcass out of your over-sanitized apartment after you shoot your fucking television, you're sadly mistaken. Tissue boxes don't make for stylish fucking footwear. Get the hell up, change out of your hospital gown because it shows way too much of your non-existent ass, Wash your hands 48,000 times, put on your fucking biohazard suit, because we are going out. If you're not ready by the time I get to your apartment, I'll kick your sorry ass, you creepy fucking recluse. Wow. Tessa would never say that. But, okay. <gasps> Where am I? My apartment? When did I get here? 
I thought I was with... Did I dream the whole thing? <clears throat> Ow! Guess not. Oh, God, I'm sore. Did he... Did he bite me? Oh, nice placement, asshole. I won't be able to wear a bra for a week. Oh, I hear you. Stop beeping at me. You have five new messages. Why the hell do I have five messages in one night? What the hell, Tessa? You were supposed to pick us all up like an hour ago. You better have a damn good reason when I get a hold of you. End of message. Sorry, Ginger. Couldn't help message. it if I was Press unconscious. Bitch. Message deleted. Next message. Tessa, you totally made me look stupid. You don't need we my help for that, princess. that really nice club because you never picked us up. Thanks a lot. And in case you couldn't tell, that was sarcasm. End of message. Idiot. To erase this. And could message. it be you lost your table Seven. because your reservations are for message tonight? Deleted. Next message. Tessa, this is Chuck from the personnel office. You have every right to use your paid sick time if you need to. What? If you're going to be gone for more than a few days. Please what call me day if possible so we can arrange a temp. Newspaper. Thanks. End of message. To erase this message, press 7. To hear more options, What the fuck? I slept zero. for two days? Message. Next message. I'm entirely Where too sore you? for this to make any sense. Where the hell is the aspirin? End of message. To erase this message, press 7. To hear more options, press 0. Skipping message. Next message. Hello, beautiful. Just calling to see how you're feeling. I'll try again later. Maybe uh, we can meet for lunch. I'd love to see you again. End of message. To erase this message, press 7. To hear more options, press 0. End of message. To check the read message, press out. Hi, Chris. Obviously, you're not a drink right now. You might want to bandage that. What the hell? Your hand. I've never seen anyone break a drinking glass like that before. Huh? Crap! <laughs> Where the hell are you, Jeff? Hello to you, too. Look out your window, across the street. <gasps> Jesus! Hi. Are you stalking me? I didn't think a couple of phone calls would constitute stalking. I hadn't heard from you in two days. I was a little worried. Don't try to confuse me with logic. How do you know where I live? Your driver's license? I looked at it the other night so I could take you home. I didn't know your last name was Woodsman. You're changing the subject. Why are you here now? Lunch? The message I left? Oh, yeah. Well, could you come in before I bleed to death? Here, let me see. You're not my doctor. I know first aid. And I know every line from Star Wars. That doesn't make me a Jedi. Just let me see your hand. It's not too deep. But you'll probably need stitches. Here, hold the towel like this. Ow! 
there's broken glass in there. Sorry, but that should staunch the flow while we get you to the emergency room. You don't fool me with this concerned act, Jeff. Why are you really here? Look, Tessa, I know I came on strong two nights ago, but I couldn't help myself. I just want to know you better. Yeah, right. If one of the other girls had accepted the drinks you sent over... Tessa, I sent those drinks to you. Okay, sure. Persistent, aren't you? I saw what I wanted and I just had to have it. Persistent and funny. And while I'd love to stay for the second act, I'm bleeding. Can you please take me to the hospital now? I'll have to. Your car is still at my place. Oh, shit. <laughs> what a mouth. I'm frustrated and in more than a little pain. I'll say whatever I damn well please. I wasn't talking about the language. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, no, you are not going to distract me this time, Mr. Creepy Sexy Man. You take me to the... The... Uh, hospital? Hospital. Right now. If you insist. As always, later. Oh, God. And we're on in five, four, three. This is Mark Feldman for Channel 6 News, and I'm here live at the exciting premiere of Philip Carter Grayson's new film, The Night Strives to Pay the Day's Longing's Hopeless Price. And this may not be Hollywood, but Vegas has some extra glitter tonight for sure. Here with me now is the premiere's promoter, Ginger Carlyle. Tell us, Ginger, do you think the movie will be a hit? Without a doubt. Philip, <laughs> that is, Mr. Grayson's star is definitely on the rise. And it has been a pleasure working with him these past few weeks. I really should go inside, but I'd be happy to give a more in-depth interview if you contact my secretary. Now that should be interesting, folks. And look who's coming now. It's the star himself. Mr. Grayson, could you spare a word for your fans? Always. Is that word good, or should I see a few more? <laughs> I see her here by yourself. Where's Emily Hodges tonight? Regrettably, she couldn't make it. Well, that's too bad. I'm sure she'll catch it when it comes out on DVD. God, I hope not. Pardon me? Nothing. Enjoy the show. You heard him, people. We'll be capturing all the highlights of this magical evening, including the star-studded after-party, after this short break. In the next chapter of Once Upon a Time in Vegas, new friendships are formed. You're Philip Carter Grayson. Yes, I am. Your movie sucks. <laughs> I'm aware. I'm sorry you had to sit through this much of it. Old friendships are rekindled. Danny, what are you doing with a box of candy, an X-Acto knife, and a calculator in the middle of the lobby? Well, if one serving of Whoppers has 123 calories, and there are 46 Whoppers in a box and three servings per container, uh, how many times do I cut one in half before Ginger can eat them? If you worked for me, I'd never make you do this. You know why? Because I'd eat the whole box. An invitation is issued. I'll be expected at the after party for ass kissing. Will you be going? Oh, I can't. My boss will see me, and I'm really not supposed to be here. 
Well, if you change your mind and think you could sneak in, please come. This is the first time I've really laughed in a month. A gauntlet is thrown down. I'm just saying that I probably should have stopped after the 6th or even the 7th Diet Coke since by then. It was mostly carbonated water, hardly any syrup at all, but I wanted so much to be like you, Ginger. I figured I'd just drink them dry. Um, Ginger, they're all out of diet. You bitch, you did it on purpose! And help comes from an unlikely source. I'm not dressed for a party. I don't even own anything that would be remotely appropriate. What if I told you it could all be taken care of? What, is someone gonna wave a magic wand and fix my appearance? The fairy tale continues November 16th, 2007. Only at PendantAudio.com. Once Upon a Time in Vegas Chapter 3 Straying from the Path Featuring the voice talents of Renee Christine Jones as Tessa David Alt as Jeff Lexi Rawl as Chloe Susan Bridges as Terry Philip Weber as Philip William Raymer as Dennis Jesse Moore as Princess Ara Pelodi as Ginger Alicia Lane Matheson as Stacy, Mike Winters as the answering machine, David Hine Chapman as the reporter, David Shook as Chuck, and Anthony Anderson as the cameraman. Written by Alicia Lane Matheson and Renee Christine Jones. Directed by Alicia Lane Matheson. Original music composed by Kevin McLeod. Produced by Pendant Productions. This production is copyright 2007 Pendant Productions. Once Upon a Time in Vegas, created by Alicia Lane Matheson and Renee Christine Jones. Copyright 2007, Pendant Productions. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening. The following pendant production contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Previously on Once Upon a Time in Vegas. You have to get up early for work, don't you? No. Or you have company coming for breakfast. You'll call me sometime. We can have lunch and get to know each other better. We'll get to know each other now. Because you aren't leaving. You're mine. Sometimes I want something really permanent. Not just Hollywood permanent. Something real. That's a tall order, Mr. Grayson. Terry, Jason was cheating on me with Stacy. Okay, you need to go out. I've got two tickets to that movie premiere you've been working your ass off for. Why don't we just go? What the fuck? I slept for two days? Look, Tessa. I know I came on strong two nights ago, but... I couldn't help myself. I just want to know you better. Chloe. Stop swiveling your head. You look like a freaking owl. I'm looking for Ginger. She could see me. Terry, I should leave. 
Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're not going anywhere, Mr. Hughes. Here. You can wear the free stuff they're giving out in the goodie bags. She'll never notice you. It's not like you stick out like a sore thumb, Chloe. You're like all the normal, regular thumbs. Where do you get these analogies? It's a gift. Now, relax. Sit back. Shut up. And we're going to watch this movie. We know your husband was harboring information on our group. Now tell us where to find the disc. I don't know anything. This movie sucks, Terry. Yes. Yes, it does. If I had paid for my ticket, I'd be asking for a refund. Come on now. You got a sweatshirt and a hat out of the deal. This movie sucks so bad it's going to put Hoover and Dyson out of business. Hey, aren't you the one who thinks Philip Carter Grayson is cute? You own his version of Hamlet on DVD. You can't compare this movie to Hamlet, not by any stretch of the imagination. And yeah, he's cute. I met him at Ginger's office. Is he that cute in person? No, in person he's hyper cute. I, on the other hand, was a sobbing mess and prefer not to relive the memory. But with apologies to Mr. Grayson, cute is not nearly enough to carry this movie. You got me there. Oh, look. A car chase. Well, didn't see that coming. Uh, I'm going to the bathroom. Don't bother to tell me what I missed when I get back. Don't worry. I doubt it'll be memorable enough to recap. I should call a cab. I've already lost half an hour of my life. I'll never get back. Oh! oh. Sorry, Sorry about that. My hat. Here, let me get it. Ow! Oh. My hat! Ow! <laughs> I'm awfully sorry. I, I should have been watching where I was going. I hope I didn't give you a concussion. Are you all right? You're Philip Carter Grayson. Yes, I am. Your movie sucks. <laughs> I'm aware. I'm sorry you had to sit through this much of it. Why are you out here and not in the theater? It's not obvious. I'm escaping. If you're smart, you will too. Want to get a drink? A drink? Yeah, I saw a bar across the street. There's plenty of time before the movie lets out. Want to? Philip Carter Grayson bonks foreheads with me, then offers to buy me a drink. Maybe I do have a concussion. How many fingers am I holding up? That's your thumb. You'll be all right. Well, after 30 minutes of a movie that bad, I think I'm owed a drink at least. Can I borrow your hat? Go ahead. I was using it as a disguise, too. A strawberry margarita for the lady? I'm ready to sour for you, sir. Thanks. So, what should we drink to? <sighs> Let's drink to the last tread of hope that this movie won't tank my career. Amen. So, tell me why you made this movie. You don't need to do crappy movies after winning that award. That's the thing. I made this movie before Hamlet. This movie was never even supposed to leave the can. But now the guys behind it think they can make some money. Sad part is they're probably right. And a lot of people will be wondering why they paid $9 to waste two hours. Try to be optimistic. It might end up becoming a cult classic. Every actor has crappy movies in their closet. 
If nothing else, you've got your looks. <laughs> sure. You know, it's really hard to sit here and not freak out. Why? I've seen about every stage show you've been in, even the illegal non-equity one. Really? Yep. I may look calm on the outside, but on the inside I'm going, Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God! <laughs> Thank you. So, why aren't you with your girlfriend? Did you ditch her in the theater? Uh, she isn't here. She informed me recently that she's going to be unavoidably detained for the next, oh, 50 or 60 years. Ouch. Was it the name thing? Name thing? Everyone knows you can't remember names, which is why I'm guessing you haven't asked for mine. You probably don't remember meeting me either. Oh, we've met before? I'm sorry. That's okay. It wasn't a good time for me. It's better this way. Well, the name thing might have been fun of it, but we were never especially close. I sympathize. In fact, I empathize. Were you broken up by text message too? Ooh, ouch. Yep, I'm the new K-Fed. No, he did it in person. But it was five days before the wedding. Ding, ding, we have a winner. Bartender, another round. So, what was it? Do you have a name thing, too? Um, I won't go into detail, but no. Jason used to treat me well, but he was different after we got engaged. I thought things would be better after we got married. Okay, I'll be honest with you. The restorative powers of marriage don't exist. We only get worse. Don't ever marry someone thinking they'll change for the better. And you're way too good of a person to end up with an asshole like that anyway. You've known me less than an hour. My first impressions are usually correct. Well, here's to the Lonely Hearts Club and its two newest members. Cheers. Hey, we should get matching tattoos. On this body? No thanks. What's wrong with it? Well, a friend of mine got a little kitten tattooed on her butt back in high school. Years passed, and it became this big tiger. <laughs> That would actually be kind of cool. <laughs> you know, I'm surprised. You're really just a normal, regular guy. Uh, thank you. You're welcome. My name's Chloe, by the way. Oh, damn. Now that you told me, I'll never remember. You seriously can't remember anyone's name? It took me the first seven years of my life to learn my own mother's name. What is it? Mummy. You've got to be kidding me. I swear on my mother's name, whatever it is, that I'm not. I'll prove it. My last girlfriend's name was... Elaine? No. Damn. Uh, Ella? Strike two. Damn. It begins with an E, right? No wonder she broke up with you. I, uh, I think it was more because her chauffeur looked like Vin Diesel. You can remember Vin Diesel's name and not your own mother's? I've never met Vin Diesel. Rest assured that if I ever do... I'll instantly forget what his name is. I don't get it. You memorized Hamlet in three days. Ophelia, Horatio, Rosencrantz, and Gildestern, they all fell trippingly on the tongue, right? Sure, I can remember fake names without a problem. Were you dropped on your head as a child? I've suspected, but it's never been proven. It's also a possibility that I lived near power lines or might have eaten lead paint chips. <laughs> Okay, so I'm guessing by now, Chloe ditched me. That bitch. They 
have to pay. Okay, getting more soda is way more important than seeing the end of this film. Besides, if I see the credits, I'll know who to murder. I hate to see him go, but I love to watch him leave. Carry the five, divide that by three, and... Damn it, that can't be right. Watch it, too. Uh, Terry! Oh, I, I mean, I mean, Miss, Miss Snowden. Danny, I told you. You don't have to call me that. Now, what are you doing with a box of candy, an X-Acto knife, and a calculator in the middle of the lobby? Well, if one serving of Whoppers has 123 calories, and there are 46 Whoppers in a box and three servings per container, uh, how many times do I cut one in half before Ginger can eat them? If you worked for me, I'd never make you do this. You know why? Because I'd eat the whole box. No! No! My calculations! <laughs> I helped you! Give her 15. Oh, thank you. No problem. Can I help you, ma'am? I'm beyond help, but I'd appreciate a refill of Coke. Hey, Danny. Shouldn't you be giving Ginger her calculated candy? I will. Uh, in a minute. Fifty cents for the refill, please. Here you go. Thanks. So... So, how are things? Good. I mean, the movie sucks, but I'm good. Great, yeah. Uh, and business? Business is pretty good. So, how are things with you? Good. They're good. Ginger's a bitch, but, you know, it's a living. Ah, <sighs> right. Uh, business? Good. Good. Uh, is it just me, or does this conversation completely suck? <sighs> I thought it was just me. No, it takes two to make a bad conversation, but it's probably my fault. I can't talk to you for more than five minutes before all I can think about is your pants. My, my pants? Ah, uh, yeah, they're nice, all gray, and pant-like, yeah. Oh, thanks. <laughs> oh, the movie's ending soon. I have to go. I'll be expected at the after party for ass kissing. Will you be going? Yeah. Oh, I can't. My boss will see me, and I'm really not supposed to be here. Ah, so that's who you're hiding from. Well, if you change your mind and think you could sneak in, please come. This is the first time I've really laughed in a month. I'll try. All right. I'll give the doorman your name. You'll give him my what? Hmm. Yeah. I don't think that'll work either. Oh, here. A VIP ticket? Was this Emily's? Might as well put it to use. Here's your hat. In case I don't see you, 
Thanks for rescuing me. This was a lot more fun than sitting through that flick. Likewise, but I think almost anything would have been more fun. Not at all. I'd much rather be here getting drunk with you. You're different, you know? You're... You're going to make me really late. Again, a pleasure. The pleasure's all mine. <sighs> Damn it. Ginger's going to be at that party. Stacy will, too, which means Jason can't be too far behind. I do not want to see him while wearing a baseball cap and sweatshirt from Allegory Pictures, Inc. You know, you really ought to go. Denise? What are you doing here? Hey, Danny, look who's coming in. Not even Philip Carter Grayson can stand that coma-inducing movie. I'm going to go wait in line to meet him, to get back at Chloe for ditching me. Besides, you shouldn't be seen with the competition. Right. Uh, uh, ter- Terry? Yeah? Nothing, nothing. Well, I separated the candy for you, Ginger. Uh, apparently, 15 What's is that? Here. Give me a diet soda up here. Uh, of course. <sighs> He's got to hate cowering like that. Hello, I'm Philip Grayson. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too, Mr. Grayson. Teresa Snowden, Premier Advertising. Premier? You guys did a great job with the promotion. What did you think of the movie? Well, I think it was rather like someone with dysentery crapped in a bucket then splashed it in Jackson Pollock-like fashion all over the movie screen. Wow, your view is new, refreshing, and rather disturbing. Ah, thanks. Good luck at the party. Thank you, Tamara. Oh, no. 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 Danny, why are you banging your head against the concession counter? They're out of diet soda, Terry. Out. It's gone. Ginger's going to kill me. Come on, it's not your fault they're out of diet. You think that'll stop her? No, probably not. Here! Where's my soda? Hmm. If I get you out of this soda mess, you take me to lunch. No, Ginger will still... Oh, no, she won't. I'll make sure of it. Deal? Deal. You know, Ginger, this diet soda is really something. What are you talking about, Snowden? Well, I usually drink the leaded stuff, but you're drinking this all the time, and I thought, I admire Ginger so much, I should try drinking her soda. You what? Oh, yeah. You're such a great ad agent, and I figured the more diet soda I drink, the more like you I'll become. Why are you telling me this? I'm just saying that I probably should have stopped after the 6th or even the 7th Diet Coke since by then. It was mostly carbonated water, hardly any syrup at all, but I wanted so much to be like you, Ginger. I figured I'd just drink them dry. Mm. Ah, now that's some good soda. Um, Ginger, they're all out of diet. Oh, that's too... Bad. I'm sure there's plenty of regular soda left. That is, 
If you want to sink to my level. You bitch! You did it on purpose! Uh, Ginger, Ginger, m- maybe maybe you should lower your... Shut up, Pierre! You've always been jealous of me, because I'm better than you. <laughs> sure, Ginger. Because you proofread your own copy and type up your own proposals... Oh, wait, no. You have Danny and Chloe do that for you. <laughs> I'm more successful. You will never get where I am. Miss Carlyle, calm yourself. Shut up, Pierre! Don't tell me what to do. As I recall, Ginger, we're up for the same promotion. And I'll be the one to get it. And then you'll be answering to me, Snowden. Now, will they choose you because of what you do for the company or your, shall we say, extracurricular activities? Shut up! Shut up! Ms. Carlyle. Will you shut up, Pierre, you idiot? (gasps) Mr. Davis... Mr. Keeley. Ms. Carlisle, you have made a scene. We expect better from our employees, especially from you. This will be brought up at the meeting on Monday. Well, as a famous toddler once said, I'd love to stay in chat, but you're a total bitch. Danny, lunch. Call me. One rum and coke for the lady. Thanks, sugar. Now, Chloe, honey, why didn't you take that delicious man up on his offer? He invited you. It's not like Mr. Grayson invited me as his date, Denise. It looks like he gave you his date ticket. He might say hi to me, but that'd be it, trust me. Besides, if by some miracle I was on his arm, wouldn't it be a little obvious to my boss that I'm there? If she thinks you might be there, she'll be poking her nose in the shadows. The trick is to be out in the open, shining so brightly you blind her. As I'm sure you know, I have experience in this field. <laughs> right. It doesn't matter, though. I don't shine. I'm not dressed for a party. I don't even own anything that would be remotely appropriate. Let me guess. Your boss lets you wear sweats to work? <sighs> Tragic. What if I told you it could all be taken care of? What, is someone going to leave a magic wand and fix my appearance? <laughs> Come with me. In the next chapter of Once Upon a Time in Vegas, the Queen issues a promise. That bitch! Snowden did it on purpose! I swear, one of these days that fat cow will get what's coming to her. The princess undergoes a magical transformation. I just don't know if I have the ability to hide in plain sight. Well, take a look in the mirror and tell me if you change your mind. Is that... me? Oh my god! Wow! And no one, not even the prince, recognizes her. I'm Philip Grayson. It's a pleasure to meet you. Missy. Missy? No. Missy. It's not my real name, so you should be able to remember it, right? A promise becomes a threat. A beautiful woman like you may sometimes find herself in need of a guy like me. And what does that mean? What do you want it to mean? Mm. 
I remember that. The princess takes a daring chance. Have you ever met anyone where you wanted to cut all the small talk and just make out with them? Just shove them up against a wall and have your way with them until they scream for release? Uh, it's an ending you won't expect in Chapter 5 of Once Upon a Time in Vegas. Issuing December 7th, 2007. Only at PendantAudio.com Once Upon a Time in Vegas Chapter 4 The Premiere Featuring the voice talents of Susan Bridges as Terry Lexi Rawl as Chloe Philip Weber as Philip Jeffrey Bridges as Danny William Raymer as Denise Ara Pelodi as Ginger Justin Dobby as the bartender Perry Whittle as executive number one David Hine Chapman as executive number two and as the concessionist as the players in the night strives to pay the day's longings hopeless price Perry Whittle as the mobster Amanda Fitzwater as Nancy Paul Masterson as the boss Catherine Pride as the Vixen, and Marley Norton as the Lackey. Written by Alicia Lane Matheson and Renee Christine Jones. Directed by Alicia Lane Matheson. Original music composed by Kevin McLeod. Produced by Pendant Productions. This production is copyright 2007 Pendant Productions. Once Upon a Time in Vegas. Created by Alicia Lane Matheson and Renee Christine Jones. Copyright 2007 Pendant Productions. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening. Episode 18. You can run, but you cannot hide from Bells in the Bantry. Episode 18. Join us, won't you, for the excitement, the thrills, the spills, the chills, and the weirdness known as Bells in the Bantry. Episode 18. Hi, everybody. This is John Bell, your genial host. Welcome you to episode 18 of Bells in the Bad Free. I've been spending the last couple of hours in the basement checking out my old comic book collection, at least the ones that survived my mom throwing things out. These are comic books not wanting to give away my age, but they're from the 60s, the golden age of DC and Marvel. And I must admit that I was a Marvelite. I enjoyed the stories. I enjoyed the action. I love the way the characters interacted with one another in Marvel Comics. And of course, the great artwork that the uh, Marvel bullpen managed to pull out month after month. And I kept thinking, wouldn't it be great? I mean, just wouldn't it be great if real life were like the lives that these people had in these comic books? You never know when it's just 
at a moment's notice, you're going to go off on some adventure and, and perhaps... Mr. Bell, Mr. Bell! Hey, hi, Ernie, what's up? The moon is, and that's where we got to go. To the moon? We've got to beat the Reds to the moon. What do you mean, beat the Reds? Don't you know anything about international politics? Well, I think... The Reds are a rival Dungeons and Dragons group down the street. Uh-huh. I found it this morning. They're building a spaceship to go to the moon, and we got to beat them. Come on, let's go. No, we don't have a spaceship. Yes, we do. I built one out back. You built a spaceship in a day? No, 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 no. I was building a sauna. Uh-huh. Then I found out we needed a spaceship, and it was easy to convert from a sauna to a spaceship. Oh. So come on, let's go. All right, all right. I'm coming. You too, Brad. You got to come along. I have no desire to go to the moon. Okay, I guess Arnie and I will have to get all the endorsement contracts ourselves, so you just stay here, Brad. Brad? Brad? And you need to come with us, too, Miss Schmackelheimer. I'm Miss Schmackelheimer. Miss Sadie, Sadie Schmackelheimer. Schmackelheimer. Yes, I know you've got to come with us and get in the spaceship. Why do I have to go? Because we need four people. Four? Why four? Because, well... I don't know. Is this foreshadowing? Either that or borderline plagiarism. Come on, let's go. Okay, okay. Keep your shirt on. Soon, our four intrepid adventurers were inside the sleek spaceship. What was that? Oh, this ship comes equipped with an aerator. Why is it so hot in here? I'll turn the steam down a bit. This spaceship is steam powered? Just sit on your towel and don't worry about it, Brad. Will we be back by noon? My lunch is in my desk. We'll be back in plenty of time. Uh, let's go, Arnie. Brad, give us a countdown. 100, 99, 98, 90. Zero blast off. Escape velocity. I think I need another towel. Yeah. We're leaving Earth's atmosphere. Mr. Bell? Yes. This thing is beeping. Oh. Why is it beeping? Uh, is this important? Arnie, why is this thing beeping? Is this important? That's not important. It certainly looks important. It's not important. Just relax. Everything is fine. Okay. Okay. Oh, wait. Did you say it was beeping or sleeping? Beeping. Oh, well, that's important. It's a collision detector. There's something dead ahead. Well, I guess if it's already dead, there's no problem, right? Everybody brace for collision! Arnie, what's that sound? Is it a meteor shower? No, we're passing through comic rays. Don't you mean cosmic rays? No, comic rays. Huh? Some years ago, Ray Romano was cloned in a terrible accident. All his clones were sent into space to protect the Earth. Ergo, they're comic rays. I don't like these rays. Oh, come on. Everybody loves rays, man. Sorry. The shields are failing. I've got to turn back. I don't know if I can control the ship. Are we going to crash? If we crash during my lunch hour, I get time and a half. Where's the escape hatch? We don't have one. Where would you like one? Everybody hold on. We're going in. Activating automatic emergency narrator. The sleek ship plows into the ground with tremendous force. Only the skillful piloting of Arnie Kunchpard, the finest spaceship pilot the world has ever known, saves the foursome from being vaporized upon impact. When the ship finally comes to a shuddering stop, the keen mind of Arnie Kunchpard, the finest spaceship pilot the world has ever known, assesses the situation perfectly. Whew, that was a doozy. Everybody okay? I need another towel. Can I sit next to somebody else next time? Let's get out of this smoldering, twisted wreckage. Arnie leads the team out of the smoldering, twisted wreckage. He did not. I did. Don't argue with the narrator. But I feel weird. I'll tease. 
ugly. Well, you were sitting next to me. Ooh, I feel a little odd, too. Maybe the comic rays have affected our DNA. How could it affect a rap group? No, no, our very genetic makeup. I never buy genetic. I always get Max Factor. This is terrible. We're in the middle of nowhere. And there's nobody around for me to sell ads to. And I sold an ad this month. I tell you, I'm red hot. Uh, Brad, you are red hot. You're bursting into flames. Get a firing extinguisher. Get some marshmallows. Oh, 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 this really burns. Brad, you have the amazing power to control fire. Hey, you're right. I can fly too. Wee! I'll call myself the Human Bick. Human Bick? Well, with luck, we can get some product placement. I see. How about you, Miss Schmackelheimer? Do you have any powers? I just wish I wasn't here. Miss Schmackelheimer, you've disappeared. You mean I'm invisible? With With liberty liberty and justice justice for for all. all. Then I shall call myself Peekaboo Lady. Peekaboo Lady? Isn't that a little lame? I got lame for you right here, Buster. If you're making a gesture, I can't see it. Lucky for you, pal. Well, that is just us, Mr. Bell. I wonder what powers we'll have. (laughs) Are you, uh, feeling any stronger? Stronger? No. Why do you ask? Oh, no reason, no reason. Uh, Here, let me reach over and pick up that bottle of water over there. But that bottle's 20 feet away. That's okay. I'll just... I'll just... Why am I not stretching? Well, if you ask me, this whole story is a stretching. Yeah, my arm, it's stretching. No, 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 I'm supposed to be that stretchy genius. No, no, I'm definitely stretching. And Arnie, you're turning orange and all rocky looking. No, 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 I'm a scientist. I'm supposed to be the big mouth leader. Why is he going wrong? Well, maybe it's because the leader has to do all the exposition. And frankly, Arnie, you're a little hard to understand at times. Hard to understand? How can you see that my eloquence is in my perfectly silver conversation? Huh? Huh? Never mind. I think I'll go beat up a mountain or something. Arnie, your new name is Rocky. Oh, that's just Sandy. That's that's super. I Good. just, I, I just love that. That's why. We all have great powers, and with great power comes essential movie deals. So we must fight crime and evil as the quintessential quartet. We can deal with any supervillain that might come along. Meanwhile, at that very moment, a masked and armored figure sits listening to his iPod. Sir, they think they can defeat any villain, eh? They've never had to contend with Dr. Dom. I will hunt them down and destroy them. Soon, the QQ had moved into their headquarters in the top five floors of the Harriet Building. All right, team, it's time for me to test out my latest super invention. I call it... The doorknob polisher. Oh, that is so lame. If I were the leader, I'd invent something really cool and useful and very difficult to draw. Shouldn't you be lifting something? Yes? Could I interest you in a vacuum cleaner? (laughs) Wow, a machine that sucks dirt out of the rug. Ingenious. Why didn't I think of that? Because you're a moron. But this special limited offer is only for superheroes who work as teams of four. Know anybody like that? Oh, no. Sorry. Maybe Nick... No, wait, wait, yes, yes, that's us! And I have found you at last. I will now destroy you! 
you cannot withstand the might of Dr. Dumb. Soon all will know of my power. Have you ever thought of advertising your might and power in an ad or a podcast? I can give you some really nice rates. Silence. Don't. I will crush you all. I will enter your headquarters and... Hold it right there, Buster. Do you have an appointment? Who are you? I'm Miss Schmackelheimer, Miss Peekaboo Lady Schmackelheimer, and nobody gets in without an appointment. Then, when is your first available? I have Thursday at 3.30. Can't you work me in earlier? This is pretty urgent. Well, I could pencil you in Wednesday at 2. No good. That's when I'm getting my armor buffed. How about right before lunch? Oh, all right. 11 a.m., but it'll be tight. Don't be late. Then I will crush you all. Wednesday at 11. Sharp. Until then. Okay, this is good. Now we have time to prepare. I'm way ahead of you, Mr. Bell. I got us all flights to Abu Dhabi. No, no, no. I mean prepare a battle plan. Um... Any ideas? Oh, you want ideas, mister? I'm the smart leader guy. Well, don't look at me. I just hit things and make pissy quips. Besides, dumb isn't going to wait until... Okay, here's what we're going to do. You're not listening to me. First, we're going to... Prepare to die. Hey, no fair. Your appointment isn't until Wednesday. I'd love to stay, but it's my coffee. I said he wouldn't wait. I knew this was going to happen. No one listens to the big orange guy. I shall commence my attack by first using my gloves. Blast array to disorient you. Ooh, a blast array, a blast array. How does that work? Oh, look, the charge builds up the capacitors in my armor. Arnie, hit him while he's talking. Just a minute. Then what? Then the charge is converted to a concentrated power stream using this series of lenses. Ooh. Arnie, hit him while he's talking. Hold your horses, will ya? Okay, then the blast array come out of your fingertips? Yes, that's concentrated unidirectional force speed. Oh, that is so cool! Show me how it works! Show me how it works! Okey doke. Arnie, don't he come. Wow! Ooh, ooh. Now do me! Do me! Very well. Oh boy! That really packs the pride! Listen up, quintessential quartet. This is the chance we've waited for. I can wait a little longer, thank you. It's uh, the anticipation that makes things worthwhile, you know. Everybody, use your powers! Let's get him! I'll crush you like the insects you are. I'm turning invisible! Uh, how's that gonna help? If he can't find me, he can't crush me like the insect I Come on, everybody, let's get him. I'll start by stretching my arms and holding him in place. You dare wrap your arms around me? Dr. Dumb is straight. Big, hit him with your flame. First, I gotta do my flaming on yell. Big ignites first time every time. Uh-oh, now the desk is on fire. I can't hold him much longer. Rocky, it's up to you. Get him. Oh, I see. The big smart leader can't think of a big smart way to defeat the villain, so the orange guy has to use brute force. Don't discuss it. Do it. I gotta think of something to shout when I clobber him. How about it's the time to clobber? No, no, that didn't work. No, Arnie, he's getting loose. I got it. The time for clobbering has arrived. No, that's still not right. I can only hold it for a few more seconds. Okay, okay, okay. The chronometer indicates that this is the proper moment for a pugilistic display. Good work, Arnie. You knocked him for a loop. Now we can attack before he can recover. Someone's at the door. If it's one of my clients, send him here under my desk. You're not expecting me to get that, are you? I'm next to the door. I'll get it. Yes. I'm delivering the kitty camper cookies you ordered back in episode 14. You owe me six bucks. You sold cookies to this group? Sure. You want to hear my song? Yeah. Buy some cookies yesterday. Buy them now and get some. You get your six dollars, little girl. Away! 
way. But first, you are my hostage. This is going to cost you more than six bucks, Buster. Dr. Dumb, you'd hold an innocent child as a hostage? I thought he was holding me. What's this thing on the back of your armor? It looks like a trap door. Are these sleepy jammies? What's in there? Let me open it up. What are those falling out? D-sized batteries. Lots and lots of D-sized batteries. I will destroy you all. Grab him. Okay. Not you. Ooh, next year I'm buying more cookies. Let's take off his mask and see who he really is. No, no, no. It's, it's, uh, who are you? I'm Rex Remington. Oh, oh Rex, Rex Remington. Remington. Yes, um, yes. Who is Rex Remington? This is why I attacked you. You don't remember me. I was the rancher who brought in all the miniature cows back in episode five. You mean all those cowlets? The ones that are still wandering around? Where did all these cats come from? They're, They're not cats! That episode was a listener favorite, yet you never invited me back. So I swore an oath to destroy you. No oath swearing, pal. We're family friendly. Our work here is done. Take him away, Rocky. Oh, sure. The big orange guy gets to do all the grunt work. That's just fine. Well, we did good, quintessential quartet. Who knows what adventures may come our way next week. What? I don't think I so. I love doing this again. This was stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I thought this was pretty good. Well, I'll admit it was a last-second idea, but... Let's get out of here. I'm right here. You just set my hair on fire. Come on, guys. Let's split. Thank you for listening to Bells in the Bat Free, episode 18. I'd like to thank my two voice talents, Cindy Taylor and Gene Williams, for joining me today. This show was written, produced, directed, and voiced by John Bell, based on an idea by John Bell and Becky Beach. I'd like to dedicate this show to the memory of Jack Keen Kirby, who, along with Stan the Manly, created stories that taught me as a child that you can come up with all sorts of cool things if you just use your imagination. And why not use your imagination and write to me at ProfZounds, that's P-R-O-F-Z-O-U-N-D-S at Hotmail.com. Until next week, this is John Bell saying, Hang loose, true believers! Stupid Reds. Welcome to Bells in the Bat Free, episode 19. I'm your genial host, John Bell. And I gotta tell you, after the last few exciting podcasts, it's nice to get back to basics. Get back to a nice, normal podcast. This podcast is gonna be so normal, you're gonna think, it's public radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Bells in the Bat Free. Today we have all sorts of people speaking in British accents about absolutely nothing. Yo, dude, Bells in the Bat Free, so what do you say? 
we get started. And this week we have hopefully an interesting show for you. I have a special guest coming in in just a few moments, and I think hi, that. Hi, um, Arnie. Oh, hi, Arnie. Uh, what's going on? Hi, I'm Arnie, transpired resident genius. You didn't mention that part. You're right. supposed to mention that every right. time. Sorry, Arnie. I'll anyway, that. I'm all set to go. What are we gonna do this week? What's the big thing we're gonna do this week? Huh? What are we gonna do? What huh? do you mean, big thing we're gonna well, do? Well, last week we tried to go to the moon and we got superpowers and we somehow lost them. Since then, I don't know how that works. Yeah. Before that, we went to Mardi Gras and a big parade. Before that, we went to London. Uh-huh. We even had a 24 episode. I mean, things have really been hopping around here. Uh-huh. What are we gonna do today? Huh? Well, what are we gonna do today? Huh? Well, what are we gonna do today? Huh? Well, what we're gonna do is have a normal episode. A normal episode? Right. A normal episode. No big explosions. No gunshots. No parades. No rockets. Just a normal episode. A normal episode? A normal episode. Why? Because if you don't have normal episodes, then the unusual episodes don't seem so unusual. Ooh, we're the philosopher today, aren't we? Be that as it may, Arnie, it's going to be a normal episode. I have a few interviews, a Mr. Wizard episode. That's it. That's it? Yes, that's it. Okay, that's it. Then I'll just sort of just relax this episode, I suppose. You do that, because I have a guest coming in in just a few minutes. Okay, and... I'll just take it easy then. Right. No chaos. Thank you. No destruction. No nothing. Good. My first guest, as soon as he gets here, is a person who I've... I'm all set. What have we got on tap for today? Normal bread. It's going to be a normal episode. There is nothing on tap. You understand? I meant in the bar. What have we got on tap in the bar? Oh. I didn't really think about this being a normal episode. I'm anything. sorry, Brad. I apologize for it. you mention it, we've done a lot of unusual things lately. I think we ought to keep the pace going. Normal. It's going to be a normal episode, Brad. Well. I guess I'll just go out and sell some ads then. Good idea, Brad. Just go out and make myself useful. Yeah, good. Mm hmm. Good idea, Brad. Thank you very much. <sighs> My first guest should be arriving very shortly and. Mr. Bell? You have a visitor in the lobby? Oh, good. Uh, is that my special guest that I've been expecting? I don't know. Oh, okay. Listen, Ms. Schmackelheimer, let me ask you something real quick. Okay. Do you think our last several podcasts have been special? Nah. Thank you for your honest assessment, Miss Schmackelheimer. Could you please show in my guest? Okie dokie. Thank you. Bye-bye now. Goodbye. I really need a nice long vacation. Ah, and you must be the expert I've been waiting on. Yes, yes, Dr. Quincy Plinkton, how yes. are you doing? Oh, and you fine. must be... John, John Bell. Well, Mr. Bell, you're the host of the podcast, aren't you? Well, yes, I am, I'm the host. And how long have you been doing this podcast? Oh, several months now, I guess. And how many episodes? Nineteen. Oh, my goodness, you're almost up to twenty. <laughs> how does that make you feel? Well, I feel that a certain amount of accomplishment... No, wait, wait a minute, just a minute. I'm supposed to be interviewing you. <laughs> oh, then get to it, Sonny, go right ahead. Well, Dr. Plinkton is an expert on interviewing. He has been a professional interviewer, and he does seminars on interviewing. Isn't that correct? My goodness, but you're a font of information. How do you find these things out? Well, I just asked Miss Schmackelheimer to find these things out, and I think she goes onto the internet where she... Now, look, I'm asking you the questions. Then ask me some questions, boy. Go ahead. Get to it. Come on, let's go. What are the key elements to an interview? There's only one key element to doing an interview. What's that? Asking questions. Oh. Now, don't you think that's a smart thing to do? Well, I certainly do. And where do you get your questions. Well, I do a little homework about the person who's going to be the guest, and I think of some questions that... You've done it again. Look, I'm interviewing you. Please, stop interviewing me. Oh, you think I'm trying to interview you? Yes, you do. You keep asking me questions. What kind of questions? All sorts of questions, like... Well, like that, that's a question. Will you please stop asking me questions? Just answer my questions. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't you think you should calm down a bit, Sean? I am calm. I am calm. And how do you manage to stay calm in all this turmoil? Well, usually I just sort of turn my mind off and just try to... 
Okay, that's it. Look, no more questions for you. I don't want to hear one more question from you. Just answers. Do you understand? You don't think I'm answering? I said no questions. But don't you think it would be a good idea? No questions. Why do you feel no that? No questions. All right, go ahead. All right, fine. Um, can't think of any questions now. Why do you suppose that is? I guess it's because you got me so rattled. Do you rattle easily? I guess so. Why don't you tell us about it? Well, it all started when my cast keeps coming in and bothering me about... I don't believe this. You've got me answering questions again. Well, I... No more questions. Just answers. Well, I... Please, can you do that? Can you answer this question without a question? Can you answer this question without a question? Don't you think I can? That's it. That's it. Time to take out the trash. All right. This interview is over. I don't want to hear one more question from you. Thanks for being on my show today. Is there anything you'd like to say before you leave? Yes. Where's the door? Didn't you say no machine guns? Was that a question? Was that a question? Was that a question? (laughs) Was that a question? My goodness, Mr. Bell has fainted. Brad, come on in here. Give me a hand, will you? My goodness, honey, what are you doing here? What are all these holes all over the place? Why is Mr. Bell on the floor? Who's the old guy in the Kevlar vest sneaking out the window? Mr. Bell fainted. He needs some help. Oh. Can you resuscitate him? Mr. Bell. Uh, Mr. Bell, wake up. Uh, wake up. Uh, are you awake, Mr. Bell? Yes. Then stop slapping me. Oh, we're going to get a letter from the Fireshine Theater's lawyer in the morning. Oh, what happened? I came in to tell you some really good Good news, Mr. Bell. I sold an ad for the podcast. <laughs> A legitimate ad. That's something. Well, let's play it right now. All right. How would you like to save big money on your groceries? If you don't mind slight defects in your items you purchase every week, you can save huge amounts at the Slight Defect Grocery Store. Here's how it works. Slight Defect Grocery Store looks for foods that have a slight defect, then buy them at tremendous discounts, and they pass those savings on to you. Here are a few examples. Cans of peas, 39 cents each, because they have a slight dent in the side. Frozen cauliflower, 50 cents, just because they thawed out once in a broken down truck. Mushrooms, probably, just 15 cents a pound. This ground beef is just 79 cents a pound, with only a 50-50 chance of mad cow. Ears of corn, just 10 cents each. Direct from a biological engineering lab that experimented with combining the DNA of corn and rats. Cans of beans, nine cents. They're radioactive. Bomb for apples. Out of a tub of toxic waste, just five cents each at Slight Defect Grocery Store. You see these? We don't know what they are, but you can get a dozen of them for 29 cents. Save at Slight Defect Grocery Store, where even the cashiers are slightly defective. They're semi-human mutants that escape from a secret government cloning lab. Paper, plastic, or semi-solidified mutants. Head to the Slight Defect Grocery Store near you. Just look for the yellow ribbons and biological warning symbols. The signs of savings. <laughs> Wasn't that a great spot, Mr. Bell? We're going to make a fortune with that well, one. Well, how much money are we making on that one? Well, I, I didn't exactly accept money uh, for that when we uh, took it out in trade. How much trade? Yes, we'll be eating like kings for the next year. So you sold our advertising time for a year's worth of Defective food? Boy, you can make anything sound bad, Mr. Negative. Well, it's just that... And I don't see you doing your part, Mr. Bell, just having an average, normal podcast. I mean, we need something spectacular to make people keep tuning in. And what do you suggest? Um, well, hey, hey, uh, hey, I got an idea. You see, we got a bunch of free food for running that ad, right? Right, yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 Well, what if we make something really, really big and get into, like, the Book of World Records? Oh, huh? I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Like, we can make the world's largest chocolate 
Sunday. We'll have to think of something else because I gave up chocolate for Lent. You stopped lending chocolate? No, for Lent. Don't you know what Lent is? Like belly button Lent? No, it's a time when you give up stuff. You could have my Lent any time. No, not Lent. Lent. You lent somebody your belly button Lent. Chocolate. Who did you lend your chocolate to? I don't eat chocolate for Lent. You'd rather eat Lent than chocolate? Yes. Yes, that's just fine. Could you be more annoying? Well, I could, but I gave it up for Lent. (laughs) The preceding Lent Lent routine was suggested by DK of Jetmore, Kansas. Thank you, and a tip of the hat. If you have a suggestion for routine, send it to profzounds at hotmail.com. And now, back to the show. I think it's a great idea. Brad, why don't you and I get together and we could work up something to make really something big of. <laughs> yeah, what? We can work up something big of which we can make. What? We can... Um... Let's cook something up. That's a good idea. Let's go. And while those two are cooking something up, let's listen to Mr. Wizard. Good morning, Billy. Good morning, Mr. Wizard. Billy, for every action, there is what? A lawyer involved? An opposite and equal reaction. Oh, right. Remember that time I filled you with compressed air, Billy? Yeah, I flew around the room backwards. <laughs> That's jet propulsion. You're not going to do that again, are you? Of course not, Billy. Oh. <laughs> I have a more interesting demonstration oh, okay. of jet propulsion. Wow. Have a seat right here so you can see it better. Okay. Billy is comfortably seated in this rocket sled. And there it goes. Zero to 300 miles an hour in five seconds. Just imagine the G-forces Billy is experiencing right now. The track circles around, and as Billy returns, I'll demonstrate the effect of retro rockets. Retro rockets firing forward stop the sled cold. Billy, I've warned you about wearing that seatbelt. Thank heavens that's over. We've shown how rockets work on land. Now let's see how they work in the air. I'm out of here. This is a rocket. You fire it like this. And this is no ordinary rocket. It has a movement-sensitive aiming device. Right now, it's programmed to go straight for anything about, oh, four feet tall, weighing about 98 pounds or so. That's moving, oh, faster than a walk. Running, say. Whoops, time's up, boys and girls. Until next time, this is Mr. Wizard saying... And that was Mr. Wizard heard exclusively on the Bells and the Bad Free Show. And <laughs> okay, Arnie, what are you and Brad up to? Oh, it's this little project we're working on for the podcast. You know, I think this will really take the cake. Yeah, these will really be your salad days. <laughs> you know, no half-baked ideas here. <laughs> yeah, we tossed a lot of ideas till we came up with this one. <laughs> are you guys sure you're on the same page here? Well, of, of course, course we, we are. are. Okay, okay, you guys go do whatever it is you're planning on doing. In the meantime, let's hear this from Cy Liloquy. Hello, this is Cy Liloquy with views on the news and movie reviews. Recently, there was a group of school kids touring an art museum when one 12-year-old decided to stick his bubblegum onto a priceless work of art. Nobody could believe this kid would willingly deface something that was there for everybody to see and enjoy. Experts say they should be able to get the stain off the painting, but it'll take time and meticulous effort. Oddly enough, this news event is related to my movie review. It would seem that a little kid named Hollywood has stuck bubblegum on a priceless work of art that is beloved by millions. I'm talking about... 
the Pink Panther. The legacy of Peter Sellers and Blake Edwards now has a big blob of bubblegum stuck right onto it. This stain can't be fixed. I have a question for Hollywood. If thousands of podcasters can come up with thousands of fresh ideas every day, why can't you come up with one fresh idea for a comedy? Look around you. There's funny stuff all over the place. You don't have to go back and stick gum on priceless works of art. Make your own art. If it's good, we'll go to the theater. We promise. We know good art when we see it. I'm Cy Liloquy. That's my two cents worth, and somebody owes me change. Thank you, Cy Liloquy. Another exclusive feature of the Bells and the Bat Free podcast. And what's that going on outside? Trucks? What are trucks doing? Somebody's at the door. Come on in. Oh, it's our landlady, Mrs. Finkel Heistermoff. How are you? Since you have caught up on your rent, Mr. Bell, of course you can rent the basement what? for a month. Wait. I had to call my sister's boy, Albert, to hire some men to move and clean out all my late Hoyman's things from his office and workshop down there. I never want to Telephones, do- chalkboards, tables, old newspapers. Huh? I only questioned my late Hoyman once, and he told me he sold books. Or made book. Mr. Bell, I had to pay to get the basement cleaned out. No problem. I will add that to the bill for the rental. Wait. What riddle? The I don't big wanna... double doors are unlocked since trucks are already coming yeah, in. I noticed those trucks. Are you sure you're getting enough to eat? Well, I... I'll come back tomorrow to collect the rental for the basement. But, Mr. Bell, it's but, been a pleasure. But, okay, i got to find out what's going on around here. Let me go to this window. Arnie, Brad, what are you doing down there? Don't worry, Mr. Bell, everything's under control. Yeah, don't mind us. Oh, by the way, we sent that lady up with that public service announcement. Public service announcement? What public service announcement? That must be her at the door. Just a second, just a second. Hello, what can I do for you? Yes, thank you, Mr. Bell. I'm from the Benevolent Anti-Raisin Federation, and I'm here to tell you raisins are evil. From barf? Yes, evil. They play with your head. Think huh? of it. What happens when you're at all day at a seminar and they say there are refreshments? You see the chocolate chip cookies. You are so relieved until you get up close, and you see that they're raisins. They're playing with your head. They're what? The only reason raisins are put into cookies is because you feel guilty. You think that raisins will turn a cookie into health food, not junk food. Well, but yeah. you know junk food is comfort food. Raisins are gooey. They have a bad texture. They get stuck in your teeth. This was a conspiracy. This is wrong. Um, Thank you very much for allowing me to get my message out to the world. You are a scholar and a gentleman. Thank you and goodbye. Hi-ho, Mr. Bell. Things are finally underway. Yes, we made a great head start. Did you guys rent the basement of this building? Had to. Needed the space. What exactly are you doing? Well, with the raw materials we got from the slightly defective grocery store... We're whipping up something so big it'll get in the Book of World Records. What? What exactly are you making? We're, We're making, making the, the world's, world's largest, largest cake. What? 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 I was gathering materials for a big salad. I was gathering materials for a giant cake. I knew you guys weren't on the same page of the recipe book. I got all the materials I needed for the giant cake. The last thing we dumped in the basement just a moment ago was three tons of baking soda. Oh, well, that's just dandy, because right now a tanker truck is outside unloading the last thing I needed for my salad dressing. 600,000 gallons of vinegar. Why didn't you listen to me? We should uh, make fellas. a cake. A cake is a logical oh, thing to make. Nobody wants a salad where you can have cake. Fellas! Did you say that there's three tons of baking soda in our basement? Yes, I did. And did you say that right now they're dumping 600,000 gallons of vinegar into our basement? Yeah. The same basement? The, the same, same basement. basement. Guys, if I were you, I'd hold on to something. Why? I think we're going to go for a ride. Oh! 
thank you all for listening to Bells in the Bat Free, episode 19. I'd like to thank uh, my guest voices, uh, Becky Beach, who's a lady from Barth, and Dale Kesterson, as, as Mrs. Finkelmeisterhoff. You know, they say that flying isn't too bad. It's the landing that's the hard part. <laughs> Break's over, Billy! Back to work! Hey kids, this is James Messick of Almost Live Radio at almostliveradio.com. Well, thanks for joining us here on Bells in the Bat Free, episode 20. You're listening to episode number 20, which is probably the last episode since that's as high as he can count with his shoes off. I heard that. You got nothing better to do? Well, here's your genial host, John Bell. Stay tuned because you don't know what's going to happen next on Bells in the Bat Free. Hello, everybody. This is Bells in the Bat Free, episode 20. Wow. I'm John Bell, and I've got an interesting guest today, and I thought it'd be a good idea to get the gang together and celebrate the 20th podcast. So, uh, Ms. Schmeckelheimer, Ms. Schmeckelheimer, Brad, Brad, Arnie, where is everybody? Hold on just a second. Hey, guys. Miss Schmeckelheimer, Arnie, Brad, Hugo the janitor, anybody? Hmm. Strange. I'm just going to get my headset back on. Uh, there um, doesn't seem to be anybody here. It's completely deserted. I can't understand except uh, this envelope that's sitting here on my desk. The ratings. Ah, that's why nobody's here. This envelope hasn't been opened, and nobody wanted to be here when we opened the envelope with the ratings inside. I wonder if they also sent a copy to Aunt Harriet. If so, I'll be hearing from her soon. In the meantime, uh... Hello? Oh, okay, just a minute. My guest is here. Um, just... Can you come in, come in the front door, come down the hall, take a, uh, the second left. You'll see the big window, the door with the window in it, yeah. And uh, just come on in, and I'll be introducing you, okay? Sorry about that. Um, it appears that uh, my guest is here, and there's nobody to let them in. So uh, while, while they're coming up, um, we'll just wait. I don't have anything else. Hello. Prepared. Hello. Oh, okay. Yeah. Come on in. We'll, we'll just we'll just start fresh. Come on. My next guest has worked in many advertising agencies over the years, writing the commercials you see on TV and especially those that you hear on the radio. I thought it'd be interesting to have his insight on the writing of radio commercials. So please welcome Mr. Hoffenhue. Please call me by my first name, Madison. Madison Hoffenhue. Yes, that is correct. To start us off, how would you define the word 
advertising. Simply put, advertising is the process where we convince people they cannot live without a product or service that they never would have heard of in the first place if it weren't for the advertising. So your job is to create the illusion that people must have certain products? Oh yes, and on the radio this must be done with words and sound alone. There are many catchphrases that radio advertisers use to this purpose. For example? Have you ever heard that a product can get your claws whiter than white? Oh yeah, that sounds great. Imagine my clothes being whiter than white. Uh, Mr. Bell, white is an absolute, like being dead. Clothes can't be whiter than white as much as you can't be deader than dead. So you're saying that the product that makes clothes whiter than white is directed only at zombies? I think you're missing the point. Let's try another example. What if I were to tell you that a product is new and improved? Well, I'd consider buying that. Sounds like the company that makes the new and improved product is really on the ball. If the ball is of oxymorons, if something is new, then it's never existed before. If it is improved, then it is better than it ever was. How can something that just came into existence be better than it was before? Whoa, those guys in the company lab really had their work cut out for them. Uh, uh, do you do the shopping in your family by any chance? Oh, yes. Then you have Madison Avenue right where they want you. Thank you. Uh, what else can you tell Let's us? take an example where a commercial tells you of the savings you can expect. Let's say there's a sale where you can get a recliner for up to 50% off. I'm on my way. But, but, but wait, 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 wait. How much will that sofa cost you? 50% off. Up to 50% off. Up to covers a lot of ground, starting at zero. So I may not pay 50% off? There's a good chance. But at least I'm saving something. Are you? Let's say they tell you the price is 50% off. Now we're talking. 50% of what? The price? What price? The price... That it was before it was 50% off? And who sets that price? The people at the store? Let's say the store pays $200 for a sofa. They sell it for $1,000. Then take 50% off, making it $500. They still make a profit of... Wow, $1,000 sofa for just $500? I'm there! <sighs> okay, let's try something else. Let's pretend that you're listening to the radio. I come on a commercial and say that you can buy a doodad for just $29.99. Okay. Fine. Now, how much did I say the doodad would cost you? 20-something bucks? No, it was $30. I can't afford 30 bucks for a doodad. But you can afford $29.99? Well, that's only 20-something bucks. Do you not see the psychology they're using on you? $29.99 is just a penny away from $30. Yet you see it as $20-something. Ooh, sounds like a deal to me. In that case, if you want to do that, you'd better call now. Where's the phone? Why are you calling? You said to call now. So if the person listening to the commercial has not made up their mind for the first 58 seconds, then the call now in the last two seconds will tip the scale and make the sale? Well, you did say to call now. And I suppose you really believe that operators are standing by. Those poor people standing there waiting for me to call. I must hurry. And the first 10 people to call get a free wackadoodle with their gizmo. Where's the phone? Where's the phone? Mr. Bell, have you ever wondered how they could tell you that only the next 10 people to call will get a free gift when they make the same offer every time the commercial is broadcast? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Are you suggesting that some advertising is 
misleading? And the light shines through the holes in your head. All commercials are misleading? Oh, no, 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 no. But you have to listen carefully to what the commercial says and how it says it. I think I'm catching on. Listen for wild promises or vague offers. Yeah, I love those. They're the ones to be wary of. Oh. Investigate any product or service you're tempted to buy. Do not make your decision entirely on the commercial. I shouldn't? No. Okay. Then would you like to buy a sit-and-squat abdominal six-pack producer and thigh thrasher? I've got a warehouse full of them. I'm very glad to hear that. You are? I wrote that commercial. Thank you for visiting, Mr. Havenhue. Uh, when do I get my check for appearing on this program? Please allow 8 to 12 weeks for delivery. Oh, you learn something after all. And now, here's this week's exciting and educational adventure of Mr. Wizard. Good morning, Billy. Uh, my name is George. Uh, where's Billy? Uh, he told me to take his place today. Some about being fed oh, up or uh, something. Glad to know. have you here, George. Oh, uh, yeah. Do you know about the laws of probability? Uh, I think so. Some about a formula for something happening by chance. Very uh, good. What a bright lad you are. Yeah. Uh, for instance, if I flipped a coin 100 times, what would the laws of probability say? Uh, 50 heads and 50 <laughs> tails. Yes, wonderful. <laughs> Yeah. It's so good to work with today's bright youngsters. Now, let's try a more interesting experiment. Okay. I have here three Las Vegas slot machines. Oh, wow. and naturally, the odds against winning with these machines are astronomical. <laughs> right. Yeah. Let's see if we can do the improbable. Uh, pull the first handle. Okay. But don't hurt your hand. Easy. Boy, you're such a nice guy. Oh. oh, boy, oh, boy, I yes, won. Yes, yes, you did the improbable. You beat the odds. Yeah. The law of probability was that you should not win. Wow. Try the next machine. Uh, okay. Uh, jackpot, jackpot, jackpot. Whoa, I won again, Mr. Wizard. What a talented youngster. Uh, yeah. Again, you've beaten the laws of probability. Can I keep what I get? <laughs> of uh, course, it's coming oh to boy. you. Uh, try the next machine. Okay. What? what? Just what? a minute. It's Billy. That should be me winning. I should but, be beating the odds. But, Billy. I belong in this show. Well, I'm going to do the last machine. Okay, okay, Billy. See if you can win. Wow, really? Imagine, wow. folks, what could be more Come improbable on. than Jack winning three Jack machines Jack in a row? Wow. Unless, of course, it's the improbability that the third machine was rigged to explode. Uh. <laughs> well, we've got to learn to accept the twists that life throws That's at us. Right. This is Mr. Wizard. And his good friend George. Saying bye-bye. And we're back in the studio here at Bells in the Bat Free. And while Mr. Wizard was playing, I opened up the envelope that said the ratings and learned... The truth, which means that Aunt Harriet should be calling me right about now. Right on schedule. Hello? Well? Well, what, Aunt Harriet? Your ratings. Oh, the ratings. Absolutely freak. Yeah, I know that, but we're working as hard as... No, 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 this is completely unacceptable. Heavens to Betsy, what do I tell Percy? I don't think Max really enters into this that much. Percy Worthington's... I've yeah, not I... been Max for years. Why do you keep bringing this up? Well, I just always knew Miss Max Swamp Bottom, but we're doing everything we can, Aunt Harriet. I'm going to demand that you use some of my ideas. Oh, not your ideas again. After all, yeah. I have the money sense in the family. Jeans uh -huh. that never made it to you, I'm sorry to say. Okay, well, what are your big ideas first this time, Aunt Harriet? Give me a minute to think. Successful formulas for radio uh -huh. shows. Oh. A political talk show? Yes, they have great ratings. No, but politics makes me kind of itchy, Aunt Harriet. I'm not very good at that. Crash the president. But I like the president. Then praise the president, 
Harriet. Well, I don't like him that much. I mean... I don't know politics, Aunt Harriet. I have to do something that I know. But if I do, like, a, a cooking show, I know how to cook. What if I did that? Okay. As long as it's conservatives versus liberals. Cooking conservative controversy. Do you think I would do this just because you tell me to? Yes. Greetings to all of you connoisseurs across the fruited plain, the unfruited plain, the fruited fancy, and everybody else. This is the Hurry Flambeau Show. I'm your host and head chef of the Flambeau Institute of Conservative Recipes with talent on loan from Julia Child. And once again, I am broadcasting with half my taste buds tied behind my tongue, just to make it fair. And now let us begin the show. I have a dilemma, my dear friends. I have here in my formerly Burger King stained fingers an invitation to prepare a meal for a bunch of liberal Democrats. So my dear friends, this is where I need your help. I need your suggestions. So let's go to the phone. Hello, you're on the air. Oh, uh, that's me. Yeah, I think that you should make uh, chicken. Yeah, chicken be real good. Well, that's a very good suggestion because when conservatives make chicken, we make a delicious recipe out of the right wing. When liberals make chicken, it's just foul. Next caller. How come you think that the Democrats can't cook poultry? Well, the reason they can't cook poultry is no matter what's in the oven, it always turns out that they cook their own goose. And Monsieur Flambeau, if I have something with the legume, eh? Legume? No, too redundant. The Democrats are already full of beans. Next. Yeehaw, from Texas there, hurry. I think you ought to cook them up some steaks. We could give them a steer to the right, if you will, instead of the usual bum steers they offer. Huh? This isn't working. Oh. This cooking show is the stupidest idea you've ever had. I've ever... I've... Well, what should I do next? Maybe you can possibly try and do a sports show. Sports? Hi, everybody. The big game's coming up. That means our team's going to win the big game because there's no way our team can lose this big game because it's the big game, and we're ready for this big game. Let's take our first call. Hello. You're the first caller on the big game show. Yeah, it's going to be a big game, and we're going to win that big game. How come we're going to win that big game? There's no way we can lose this big game. we got to win this big game because it's the big game. It is a big game. we got to win this big game. Yeah, we're going to win it. And you know why we're going to win it? Because it's the big game. It's the big game. <laughs> What, what, what? This sports thing is just not working either. You are not cut out for this. I should have guessed when you were the last one picked on the teams all the time when you were a child. Well, what should I do? Try public radio, yes. Good evening. Tonight, we're going to take a three-hour detailed look at the history of the paper clip. Its invention, its development, the creative uses for paper clips through the centuries, all, all, all with it. Could you be quiet with the piano, please? Stop! It's not working. Try radio wrestling. Yes, go for that now. Oh no! I see precious metals of what you have to go for because they keep their worth. Why you are gonna go? Stop! Stop! Try, try caveman radio. I think you would be able to do that if anybody could. I can't believe this. Try the All Smokers Network. A round table. <laughs> Consists of. <laughs> okay, 
Okay, I got it. Try one of those supernatural shows. So this being stepped out of the craft. It floated over to me. It was scary. I see. And um, <laughs> did it communicate with you? Yeah, he talked to me. What did it say? It asked me if I had any more beers in my cooler. Forget everything. Go for a totally open line. Just throw the lines open. Let anyone call. Don't scream. Just see what you get. Good luck. So the lines are open now for anyone to call in. Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? Okay, stop it all. Now it's working. I have a show that everyone is going to want to listen to. Well, things are really changing up here in the Bat Free on episode 20. Hey kids, this is James Messick of Almost Live Radio at almostliveradio.com. You're listening to episode 20 of Harriet's in the Bat Free. So here's the aunt who never says can't, Aunt Harriet. Things are doing fine with Miss Poor Sign. It's Harriet in the Bat Free. Hello, hello, you lovely audience. This is Aunt Harriet of Miss Poor Sign fame. I'm here to entertain, enlighten, give advice. I should be of great value to you, you loyal listeners. You'll soon realize wisdom only comes from someone of poor sign breeding such as myself. Thank you all for listening to Bells in the Bad Free or Harriet's in the Bad Free, episode 20, whichever it turns out to be. Written and produced by John Bell, voiced by John Bell and Becky Beach. Special material by Becky Beach. See you next week, whoever's going to be here. Perfect teeth, her perfect little nose. But were you now, Coralie? Life isn't about being head cheerleader, you know. My friends, if we got a deal for you, in this limited time offer, you can purchase a brand new sofa recliner up to one half off. Yes, why pay up to $1,000 when you can pay down to $500 or more? These sofa recliners are more comfortable than comfortable. Plus, at this super sale, you can also pick up this bottle of new and improved sofa recliner cleaner at the amazing price of just $29.99. You heard right, $29.99. But you must call now. Operators are standing by to take your calls. And if you're one of the first 20 people to call in for the special limited time now only offer, We'll throw in a free piece of cardboard to put under one leg of the sofa recliner to keep it from wobbling. A $60 value, absolutely free. So what are you waiting for? This is the last time you'll hear this offer until the next time you hear this offer. And as always, 90 days, same as three months. Call now, 800-555-BIG-DEAL. Another fantastic offer from Big Deals Incorporated, where quality is more than just a word. It's a slogan. Hey, Brad, you think it's safe to go in yet? I saw the ratings. We'd better wait another hour. Ooh. Meals on Wheels is dedicated to providing and delivering the nutritious meals that are necessary to prevent the premature institutionalization of San Francisco's homebound elderly. They are committed to fostering independent living with dignity for as long as possible. For more information, please call 415-920-1111. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio. Another exciting episode of Bells in the Bat Free. 
here's your genial host, John Bell. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good middle of the night, good whenever you happen to be listening to this, my premier podcast of Bells in the Bat Free. I'm John Bell, your host, and in this first show, as with all the other shows, I'm going to try and bring you some unusual things, some odd interviews, some um, strange things to listen to, et cetera, et cetera, something a little different each time. I'd like to bring my very first podcast guest on the air. If uh, you watch television back in the 60s and 70s, then you're familiar with Mr. Wizard. Remember that? He used to make science interesting and fun. And now I hear he's reviving the show in radio, so let's bring him in, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Wizard. Hello, everybody! Mr. Wizard, <laughs> now, I used to watch you a lot when I was a kid, but I'll have to admit, you don't look really the way that I remember you No, looking. you're thinking of that other Mr. Wizard. Oh, so you're not... No, 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 he's Mr. Wizard, I'm Mr. Wizard. Well, I'm sorry, I, I don't think I see the difference. Oh, don't apologize for being dense, what? that's all right. I he spills his name w-i-z-a-r-d and i spell my name w-h-i-z-z-e-r apostrophe d where'd you get that spelling well it has to do with a slight medical problem that i've had in the past i've got mostly under control now and let's speak no more of that okay how long have you been on the air mr wizard well actually i'm no longer on the air we Uh, uh, produced about a dozen shows and uh, they decided to take us off the air why did they decide that Oh, you know, the usual... Like... Lawsuits, parents' groups, all the nutcases. You know how that can uh, affect a show. I see, but you're going to allow my podcast to broadcast your your new shows. Yes, you lucky dog, you. Yeah. I will be showing off science with my good friend Billy, who incidentally I think is here somewhere. Billy, where are you? <laughs> come on inside, Billy. Now, come on in. <laughs> what a kidder Billy is. I'll go get him. No, 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 no. Look, look, look. Why don't we just, just talk about the show right now? Let's just talk about the Mr. Wizard show. Excellent. It's a show that you can run with certain monetary compensation, which is spelled out in the contract, which you've already signed. I what? What? It, Let's listen to one, what? shall we? Uh, uh, okay, uh, here he is, Mr. Wizard. Well, good morning, Billy. Good morning, Mr. Wizard. It's good to see you back with me on the show. My mom made me come. Good soldier. Do you enjoy basketball? Oh, yes. Good. Do you know what makes a basketball so bouncy? Really? No, Mr. Wizard. I never gave it much thought. That's why I have a television show and you're just a twit, Billy. Huh? A basketball bounces because of the air pressure that's inside the elastic skin. Gee, how does that work? I'm glad you asked me that, Billy. Uh-oh. The surface of a basketball is tough, but flexible, uh-huh. very much like skin. Ooh. Let's take this air hose okay. and fill your cheeks with air oh. so you can feel the pressure pushing your cheeks outward. Okay, Mr. Wizard. There. Oops. See? how your cheeks are bulging out? That's because the air pressure is building inside. That's what happens when you inflate a basketball, or a football, or even a soccer ball. It gets real tight, just like your stomach there, Billy. And that pressure stays inside until given an outlet. What do you suppose happens then, Billy? Well, let's find out. We'll remove the air hose and... Well, okay. Well, we got a demonstration of jet propulsion. (laughs) But that's another show. This is Mr. Wizard saying, science is fun if it's safely done. Bye-bye. Mr. Wizard will return next week and in subsequent weeks, so stay tuned. 
Ah, it's October, and you know what that means, don't you? That's right, it's my favorite holiday of the year. I just go batty during this season. Go to any store, and what do you see? Decorations and treats everywhere. Yes, it's finally time for... Christmas! And you are invited to Big Bubba's pre-Halloween Christmas sale, where you'll find frightfully good bargains on everything you need to jump the gun on this marvelous season. Why, here comes Santa Claus. Where are you going, Santa? I am going to Big Bubba's to get chestnuts and candy corn to put in the trick-or-treat bags the kids are going to hang on the fireplace. <laughs> yes, you too can confuse the kiddies by jumping on the Christmas bandwagon in October. Ho, ho, ho! On Dasher, on Donner, on Igor and Boris... Oh, and don't forget to get your jack-o'-lantern to put on top of your tree! Pre-Halloween Christmas sale. Don't waste time. According to Madison Avenue, you're already late in starting your Christmas shopping. And Big Bubba's shopping for the season of peace on Earth is always a scream! Ho, 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 ho! Big Bubba's is the place for you. Scary masks, tinsel to say peace on earth, and then say boo at Big Bubba's. I have a friend here, an associate, someone who uh, has been with me uh, for a long time. His name is Professor Zounds, and he does comedy for kids. You know, birthday parties, uh, things in the park, uh, that sort of thing. He does sound effects, and he teaches kids how to do sound effects in his act. And uh, welcome to my premier podcast, Professor Zounds. Hi, everybody. How you doing? Now, you, you've always said that just about anybody can learn how to do these sounds. Everybody but you, yeah. Okay, well, well can you try to teach me a sound right now, just, sure. just any of these strange sounds? I, I'm going to teach you something basic now, and that's okay. the sound effect. Can you go... No, 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 look, say it, don't spray it, Sorry you're getting uh, saliva that. all over everything. You just put your lips together, uh-huh. pull them between your teeth, back between your teeth, not that far, no, not so where your nose goes in your mouth, okay, and then you just sort of blow forward, and it comes out like that. Now, uh, it's not a, because they, they're two different things, and it is different from a, which is a completely different thing. Uh-huh. So go ahead, try all three. That's it. Gotta get a towel. Look at ah, oh, this is disgusting. Look at this. Oh, who's gonna pay for this cleaning? Sorry, sorry yeah. about that. Uh, let me just plug your website and then you can go on. Yeah, good idea. Uh, it's www.profzounds.profzounds.com. P-R-O-F-Z-O-U-N-D-S, uh-huh. You know, you could uh, play one of my songs. Uh, okay, okay. In Be lieu nice. of paying for your. Uh, cleaning bills. I'll, I'll play one of your organic songs. Uh-huh. This is one of Professor Zounds' organic songs where all the music was done with his mouth. And don't forget, this was played on the Dr. Demento Show! Do you get paid for that plug? No, that was a freebie. Huh. I met this evil scientist who had a plan. I got the gist of making himself an army of clones. So I'm the one that he kidnapped. I woke up on a table wrapped in straps so tight they bent my little bones. He said, soon when I am done, you will be an army of one, and that one will be a million or more. <laughs> Three switches thrown as one it'll take. My clone army need to make perfect copies of you by the score. With that, his mad plan had begun. He started with switch number one. He threw two, and then he reached for three. But before he could switch it back, he up and had a heart attack. Deader than a dime store doornail was he. The machine revved up, sparked its shower, though it was set at two-thirds power. It created a guy who looked a lot like me. 
It looked around and as it rose, it drooled a bit and picked its nose and said, Let's watch some reality TV. My clone is an idiot. It's got two-thirds of a mind. My clone is an idiot. He keeps scratching his behind. My clone is an idiot. It's so hard to believe. My clone is an idiot. I have to remind this guy to breathe. I told him quick to pull the plug. He scratched his ear and ate a bug and somehow got his collar caught in his fly. It turns out the machine weren't done. Gears turned and wheels spun, and suddenly there was a brand new guy. <laughs> he leapt from the table, hit the wall, couldn't figure out how to fall, so he hovered in place, waiting for direction. What do I do now? The original clone was so impressed, he promptly got completely undressed and gave his navel a complete and deep inspection. Wow. My clones are idiots. They got two-thirds of mines. My clones are idiots. They keep scratching their behinds. My clones are idiots. This machine, it hardly works. My clones are idiots. I'm beside myself with jerks. That's us. Clone after clone, it spit them out. A twit, a doofus, a bum, a lout. All the worse of what I am with no IQ. They couldn't read. They couldn't cipher. The kind of boyfriend Cher would die for. It was chaos in the shallow end of my gene pool. After several days of reproducing something, the machine came all loose and the sound of grinding gears made things worse. My newest clone was standing there and it said... E equals MC squared. Oh no, it shifted into reverse. Why doesn't somebody just unplug this thing? Wow. Because my clones are idiots. I am woman, hear me roar. My clones are idiots. Kick your socks up off the floor. My clones are idiots. Your pickup truck's a mess. My clones are idiots. Forget NASCAR, let's play chess. My clones are idiots. There'll be no more nights at bars. My clones are idiots. I threw out your stinky cigars. My clones are idiots. What's with football? It's just a game. My clones are idiots. What a mess. Why can't you aim? My next guest has a very interesting job. He's uh, he's in the movie business, although technically he's been in the sound end of the movie business. He's a sound designer for motion pictures. He arranges for the sound effects and the uh, ambience, uh, specific sounds when things happen, Foley-type sounds in motion pictures. If you hear it in a motion picture in the last... 20, 30, 40 years, there's a good chance Charlie Luntz had something to do with it. He, uh, actually, he's in the kitchen getting some coffee. I thought he'd be in here by the time I got to the end of the introduction. Charlie? But Charlie Luntz has been uh, a sound designer for motion pictures. Charlie! Uh, for uh, quite a while. Hold on, let me, let me go see if I can. Charlie! Charlie! Oh, look here. A microphone. Hello! Hey, Charlie Lunch here! <laughs> there once was a gal from Nantucket who carried her stuff in a bucket. Once in North Carolina, she lost her... Charlie, there you are! I, I was looking all over for you. I didn't hear you come in. Oh, I didn't hear you come in! <laughs> yes, well, I guess that makes two of us. So, uh, tell me, uh, how is it to have been working in the movie business, working with sound for all these years? Yes, I can bring them around to tears every time. It's part of my job. 
obviously. I work in the sound division of movies, motion uh, pictures. Yeah. Um, so how do you decide what sound to use for, say, a particular scene? No, not particularly. Me and most people are quite nice in the movie industry. No, no that's not I what know I... there's a lot of rumors um, going around about Charlie, how nasty people are. But that's you know, they're, not, what they're I... not true at all. Um, you need to, you, I need to tell you something about how we choose sounds for scenes and things. Yes, that's probably a good idea. Uh, let's say that you're doing a, a motion picture about aliens attacking. Uh-huh. Um, so how would you find out-of-these-world-type sounds for alien weaponry? Oh, I remember her well. What? Eileen was a great leading lady. No, no not Eileen. Oh, Alien. I, she, she could make some sounds. Huh? <laughs> uh, you don't hear about that. No, no, I don't think I want to hear about uh, Listen, let's talk about the movie that uh, you've worked on, your most recent movie, which just got re- uh, released, uh-huh. which is called Tranquil Stream. Uh-huh. I recall reading that's a love story, uh-huh. and uh, there's a lot of outdoor scenes. Oh. Uh, how did you handle that? No, no, no hardcore stuff at all, not for me. I can get you in trouble. Throw you right in the hoose gown, never let you out. No, I didn't. No, no. Say, we need to talk about Tranquil Streams, which uh, is the movie that I worked on recently. Yeah. Had to do a lot of sounds for outdoor um, stuff. Look, let's just get right to the point. A reviewer of Tranquil Streams said that uh, although he enjoyed the movie, in essence, the soundtrack was, and I'm quoting now, cacophonous. Oh. Uh, what do you say about that? Wasn't that nice? <laughs> I don't think you're understanding what I'm saying. The reviewer says that the soundtrack was cacophonous and distracting. Yes, there was a lot of acting in this, it being a movie and all, with actors. I just work with the sound. Let's just play a clip from the movie and and listen to some of your work, all right? All righty. But if I were you, I'd play a clip from the movie. Marsha, my love, let us walk down to the tranquil streams. We can always think better there because the gentle rush of water soothes our jangled world. Oh, yes, child. Here by tranquil streams. It is so tranquil. What is it you wanted to tell me? I do have something to tell you, Marsha. Here, would you like a mint? Thank you. What I have to tell you is not easy, Marsha. I have a secret. A secret? A secret, John? What? Let me show you something. (gasps) Have you seen this before? John, I remember the very first time I saw that. It was at Tranquil Streams, and there was a bird singing in the trees. Very much like that bird singing now. 